Resting Witchface, your one-stop haunt for all things spooky, bitchy, buffy, and more. I am Grant Jacoby. I'm Bailey Bennett. Uh, and you know what? I don't know. I don't know what happened last time we recorded, but we're in a place of absolute zen right now. <laughs> like this. Yeah, like we. I mean, we, we we're still interrupting on. each other, but of course, no. I mean, we're never gonna have our shit together. But like, <laughs> logged on this morning, tech was working. Like we were both feeling fresh at eight o'clock in the morning on a weekday. <laughs> yeah. I've actually, I woke up at like six 30 and on most days I'm like, gotta go back to bed. Like can't do this. And I woke up today and I was just like, I don't know something about it. I was like, I think it's time. And I think something about it could be that we're talking about the most elite season of television that's ever graced our screens. Um, it's there's a lot of um, emotions thoughts feelings that are happening mm-hmm. um just as i'm trying to prepare to discuss yeah what is nothing short of a genius display of art absolutely I, this <laughs> is i mean it's been such a long time coming i mean for us it's taken you know we've recorded four other podcast episodes and for the people who made buffy it was maybe a little bit longer maybe maybe several years in the making um and and who can say who put more effort into the into the journey um it's it's really up for debate Um, right but we're we're here to talk about season fucking five i mean season fucking five wow um i'll tell i'll tell you that so one of my coworkers, who honestly may be listening to this hello um we went out for a work happy hour the other night and Mm -hmm. You wow, thanks know. for the invite. <laughs> I know. Wow. <laughs> uh, you guys probably know, like, uh, you, you probably haven't seen your coworkers for a long time. Like, I, like we've, I personally have forgotten how to socialize. So, we, we this was a I rare. I never knew. Yeah, a rare occasion to go, to go out to a happy hour. And about two beers in, no dinner. I was, I was at a place where I was ready, I was ready to fight something or someone um and one of my coworkers is also a big buffy fan but like it's like firmly firmly on like the bangel side of things um and the way that i was slamming my hands on the table the way that mm. i was screaming at a level very inappropriate for the setting i was in um the way i was what? Embar- <laughs> I just th- felt that i was making points about mm. He, I mean, he also doesn't like season six. There was a lot that I felt needed to be said, but I can't stress <laughs> enough that it was just the two of us and the rest of the people at the table who we work with, but have never seen Buffy were sort of at, at, at a loss for words as to what was going on in front of them. So I've, that was a few days ago. I still don't even know if my voice has recovered um, from the absolute screaming, um, but I think what we we could we were both in agreement that we love season five. I mean, I've never met 
I've never met someone who was not a season five stan. I mean, it is simply the way that unite the thing that unites us all. Right. Like, could could solve global war and famine if just everyone watched season five of Buffy they would just be like okay we can all agree on something I think you're so right yeah you were like you were like gonna say global warming and then you were like maybe that's too far but is it could season five of Buffy Mm. prevent global warming this is maybe we'll get to that conclusion by the end of the episode I was I was going to say let's let's circle back to that um Mm -hmm. and see what conclusions we come to Mm -hmm. I mean okay so just just to like tease us in a little bit mm-hmm. season five of Buffy we're starting September of 2000 we're we're in the new millennium mm-hmm. um, we've survived Y2K uh, yes it's a new age of I mean I, I think we this is when we're getting to the point of Buffy where it things look a lot glossier like we're, we're like the show is starting to look better some of the effects are better i mean the stunt doubles are still uh blatantly Mm -hmm. involved in the show and Mm -hmm. that will remain until the very end um yeah that is the you know the running through line to keep all seasons consistent um mm -hmm. i think it's while we're talking about things being bigger better bolder more beautiful i think it goes Mm -hmm. without saying that sarah michelle geller's hair has never looked better it is I mean, it's like a Tresemme commercial for 22 <laughs> episodes. Incredible. I have, I have, I have an image of her, a, se- a season five promo shot of Sarah Michelle Gellar has been my uh. phone background for three years. Um, and it really, Ooh. when I, when I'm out, it really shows me like who, who among me do I need to talk to? If someone's like, I'm sorry, is that Buffy on your phone? I'm like, yes. Hello. What's your <laughs> name? Uh, and for how long can we speak about this before you feel uncomfortable? You let me know. It's it's just a real testament to the hair and makeup crew mm-hmm. because they really went through something mm-hmm. in in you know each season she's a very distinct look you know season one you've got the 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 highlights and the bangs and mm-hmm. the volume mm-hmm. season two you get kind of the shorter cut um, which then some somewhere mid season becomes fully bleach blonde. Mm-hmm like white blonde mm-hmm. season three season three has more ch- chunkier highlights yeah i was gonna say chunkier highlights. micro bangs mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yeah the couple episodes where she just was going full courtney cox and scream three mm-hmm. um and then by season four we get like the kind of the long first first half season fully straightened like mm. straightened to the bone and then somehow mid-season we switch to this wavy the crimp the crimp dramatic it, you're speaking, moment. It's you're speaking as if you never owned a crimper, and I think I mean I have not. All women who mm-hmm. were alive in the '90s and early 2000s owned a crimping iron. Yeah, yeah. you had a tool that intentionally did that to your hair. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, with paired with a chunky, um, you know, turtleneck sweater and she was good to go but season five we get these, this like honey blonde oh my god garni fruitis realness um, yeah just like soft yeah. waves very long and voluminous mm-hmm. just looking like healthy and gorgeous at all times and the fashion in season five is very good i mean it's it's mm-hmm. just much more understated of like I, I feel like she's wearing a lot more 
like black and white, like this is when we're starting to, we're starting to bring in more of like, yeah, like the, the leather jackets and like maybe like Mm -hmm. some, some white turtlenecks. Like I can like, even the simplicity of what she's wearing in the gift for that, Uh. which like, I'll never forget it. And what we, I mean, we can't even, we can't begin talking about the gift yet, but like just like a simple white long sleeve with like a, a tight like low bun just like hi i'm here to do business like we are i'm here for the best season of television of my life so yeah because i think that clearly what was happening this season as we discussed last week during season four is that we're on a little bit of a course correction where you know college was tried out didn't really work no and instead of doing what a lot of tv shows TV shoes, mm-hmm. um, TV shoes, and also TV shows do nowadays mm. is they just skip college altogether. Right, they're just like like Riverdale realness, just being like we we know the audience knows that all these actors are in their mid to late twenties. Let's mm-hmm. just skip ahead so we can like actually be in that in that. I will say, and we'll we'll get into the recap of the season in a minute. I'm always shocked that Riley is in the first. 10 episodes of this season like in my memory he is gone but like he like by the end of season four like i never have to think about him again and that's that's just not the case they are still together yeah they easily could have like had a 30 second little like moment where they're like oh like i miss riley he was kind of fun and then someone else like yeah but you know it just didn't work out with literally with with buff and then it'd be like that's it Oh, and just like, this is, this is really, Riley's storyline in season five is really what, what tanks him in the fandom because it yeah. is the most absurd character assassination. I can't even say character assassination. His character was already dead to me, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, really the, the personality of um, a stuffed animal left out in the rain. Yes. So true. <laughs> Like perfectly cute and harmless, but also just so unnecessary and you don't want to bring it into your house. And it's kind of stinky, you know, <laughs> yeah. totally. I mean, I- could Mark Lucas fully rearrange my insides? Absolutely. Of course. Of, of any day. But and you know that what? Is, that's, yeah. We can confirm what? that Mark, Mark Lucas is living his best life as a father on like a farm in Pennsylvania. He has his Instagram account is about like how many goats, chickens and cows he has. Like it's just very wholesome. Very pure, um, you know, starring in a Hallmark movie every once in a while. Yeah. Um, hopefully he's getting those royalty checks from FX reruns. <laughs> Good for him. So, um, okay. yeah. Oh, no. What were yeah. I was going to say, should we, should we do a little recap? Yes. I, before, I don't know, maybe we should, maybe this isn't the best time to do this, but I, I want to sort of ask the question of like, yeah. Why is it that we love season five as much as we do? I think because the stakes are really high, um, mm-hmm. you know, as you and I know, and as I'm sure many of the fans know, but maybe some people don't know is that season five was originally going to be the last season. Mm-hmm. At least, I don't know when it was decided. I don't know if it was decided like as they were filming or like after they'd wrapped, but the WB was basically like, we're good. Mm-hmm. And Joss Whedon has always said that he envisioned the show ending with Buffy dying. So I think the way I view it is almost like they're like, okay, like this is it. Like we, like we're going to really go with a bang. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did. And then they didn't because mm-hmm. they came back on the UPN. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that would be why 
I would say it's so good is just, I think they were just kind of like not holding back in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Um, and it's also like, no, go, go ahead. I didn't. Have no, no. I, I mean, well, cause it's interesting. Cause we keep, we keep, we talked about this a lot with season two and three, where you're like, I look back at the season, like season two, I look back at the season as a whole and I love it so much. But when I, when I drill down into like specific episodes, there's a lot that I don't love about season two. There's mm-hmm. a lot of sort of bad episodes and like season five is not like back to front, incredible episodes. Like there's, no. there's a lot of, fine episodes there's uh, there's not a ton of like really terrible episodes in season five at all like very few but i think there there are a lot that are like a little forgettable but like mm-hmm. pretty entertaining there's also a lot of in- amazing amazing episodes but i oh, think yeah. i i also think like just tonally i think season five is sort of like the sweet spot for this show because i think there's a lot of criticism surrounding just the the depths of darkness and trauma of like season six and even season seven, like season seven Mm -hmm. is its own beast when we'll we'll talk about it. But like, you know, there's also a ton, a ton of drama and like a ton of mellow drama in like season two, I think season five strikes a a, a really beautiful chord of like, there's darkness, the stakes are high, but we're also having a great time. Like, glory also as the big bad of this season is like yes you you understand she's an incredibly powerful evil force but she's also a great hang like we are we are having fun with her and i think that that like contrast it's just the best balance that we get of any of the seasons of the show well again not to you know like drinking alert every time grant says course correction Mm -hmm. but to, I feel like it was a course question of season four, which was yeah. like arguably like the lamest villain, mm-hmm. which is just like Adam like lumbering around in caves, yep. just being like, uh mummy. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas like Glory is I mean, there's a lot to be said about like why consistently each season the villain could easily like come into the summer's house in the middle of the night and just like kill everyone, but just decides mm-hmm. like, no, I'm just going to like, I'm going to wait. It's not time. Right. Um, but Glory's literally just like, yeah, I feel like the antithesis of like anything we'd seen before, like a female B hot C like mm-hmm. true, like, like a, a match for Buffy. And like when they first fight, it's like the first time you actually see like Buffy get like her ass beat. Yeah. In like, the reptile episode, I believe, <laughs> where the, it's is when they're like, oh when they're like at the zoo and like a snake has escaped. I, there's a lot uh, going on. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a when you said literally when you said reptile episodes, I'm like, which one? <laughs> there's you're gonna there's have to lot. be more specific about which snake you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll obviously talk about the other elephant in the room, which is mm. uh, Dawn. Mm. Um, but I, you know what, you know what it says about how good this season is, is the fact that literally one of categorically and and in the canon of pop culture, one of the most annoying characters of all time is not only like heavily featured, but like crucial to the plot line. And yet still incredible television. Absolutely. Okay. Anyway, let's, let's do a quick. Yeah. Quick quick recap. recap. Um, So top of season five, things are, Going fine for the Scooby gang. We get a little interaction with Dracula. I, I would say this is one of the seasons that's like, 
like so much of the early seasons were like, we're starting off with like, Buffy has just been through the worst experience of her life <laughs> and she's trying to get over it. Like this season just starts off kind of like, fine everyone's like, fine <laughs> like yeah everyone's doing well yeah um but then of course at the end of the the season premiere we get the jaw-dropping realization that suddenly out of nowhere buffy has a younger sister the aforementioned dawn mm-hmm. um i how shook do you think people were in september Brand. on september 26th of 2000 i mean i can personally tell you because i remember <laughs> you guys know i came to this show later when grant and i were already long time friends. And I, I specifically remember watching this episode and texting you and being like, I'm sorry, what the fuck does this show <laughs> think that it can just gaslight me into thinking that Buffy had a sister this entire time? Like I truly was convinced mm-hmm. that the show was just pretending that Dawn had always existed and they just hadn't brought her up. Like I was beside myself because they also, they keep it up for like three more episodes. You you mm-hmm. don't find out Dawn's real purpose until see, episode five of this season, No Place Like Home. Uh-huh. Like they were committed and they're mm-hmm. sick fucks for that. Yeah, they, they were really wrong for that. Um, <laughs> I also say that as someone who, as I mentioned many times, when I first watched the show, watched very out of order, yep. like simultaneously watching episodes that they aired live and reruns mm-hmm. so I could catch up. Mm-hmm. It was very confusing <laughs> to be watching like season six live and then go back to like season three and be like, wait, there's no sister? <laughs> Who's Cordelia? Willow's straight? Oh like, my God. <laughs> it was like very, very, very that's um, so funny. There was a lot to process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we get the introduction of Dawn. Um, we'll talk about her the, more. I want to talk about yeah. her more. Yeah, of course. Um, as the season continues, um, we soon learn as, as several episodes later that Dawn is um, not human. Mm-hmm. And that was actually made by monks mm-hmm. out of Buffy's blood. How did they get her blood? It is never addressed. No. Um but, but prior to being her Buffy sister, she was a mythical energy known as <laughs> the key. I literally sound insane when I'm describing I this. I'm just like picturing someone overhearing this. And just yeah, being just like, being like, what? So Dawn is a magical key that was made from her sister's blood, but it's not her yeah. real sister. And the monks made it. They, the no the monk aspect is really what pushes it over the edge. <laughs> yeah. um, and she, her purpose is to open the door between different dimensions more on that later, but she was created and put in human form as protection from glory, who, as we said, is our big bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, why she's suddenly in Sunnydale, I guess, but probably just like looking for the key, right? They don't really like. Yeah. 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 No, she's looking for the key. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know how she knows it's in Sunnydale. They probably address this. There's a lot of like small (laughs) plot details that are just like, we can just sort of breeze past that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm like, I'm having like a hard time. Like, oh, okay. Well, I can describe the season. I can, I can tell you about a really important plot point, which is that Spike realizes he's in love with Buffy. Yes. That that (laughs) happens pretty quick into season five, which it's an episode, it's an episode four that he realizes it. And he has like the mm -hmm. the sex dream that like, yeah, Uh, Um, this is a major, a major plot point and a major motivation for Spike throughout this season, because he does become a pretty important player in the fight against glory and also um, develops a really 
close relationship with Dawn and ends up being a really mm-hmm. protective force for her. And I think this is definitely a trust building season for Buffy and Spike, even yeah. though he <laughs> just so that 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 love story plot line, you know, we about mid season, we get um, a recurrence of one of our fave vamps drusilla who kind of like yes comes in to try to convince spike to go back to his baddie ways but he's too he's too far gone in love um and yeah super super important turning point in this not only the season but the series um Mm -hmm. is the introduction of that romance um which during this season is Mm one-sided obviously that changes Mm -hmm. in subsequent seasons um Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's worth noting that Spike still has a chip in his head, so is unable to hurt humans, but can hurt demons. So he's kind of like Scooby adjacent still. Mm-hmm. Like he's definitely relevant and helps out, but is still kind of like treated like the bastard step cousin that you're like, ugh. Yeah, there's a little bit of a turning point for that after intervention. Like the last mm-hmm. few episodes of the season, they really integrate sure. Spike into the group because they need him like they're in mm-hmm. the fight of their lives. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but before we get there, mm-hmm. um, what else is going on? So yeah, Willow and Tara are going strong doing their lesbian witch stuff. You know, we got Xander and Anya. This is like actually one of the few seasons where like people are in like good states of their relationships. Yeah. Except for, I mean, Buffy, Buffy and Riley. Well, well, Buffy is literally just a nonstop tornado of romantic chaos. True. Like she yeah. cannot, catch a break um yeah but yeah this this is the season where like riley really starts feeling really insecure mm-hmm. about buffy's superpowers and instead of you know having a conversation like mm-hmm. sitting her down being like hey like i feel not worthy and i will say it is like what episode is that i think is it is it in the replacement when when he, he has says that, like, buffy, Sander, buffy yeah. never loved me or she'll never love me yeah which is like dude just like be it be a human per adult in a relationship and like sit that person down and be like we need to talk about about us um mm-hmm. but instead he decides to which is like clearly was like a veiled metaphor for cheating which kind of was like all right and also, also like drug abuse yeah very bizarre plot line where riley decides to go to like a brothel where vamps like feed on humans mm-hmm. um he gets caught and then Amelia's like, oh, the initiative wants me back. Gotta go. Bye. Mm-hmm. Um, no love lost there. Uh, we also get the introduction of another huge turning point in the series, which is um, Joyce's mm-hmm. diagnosis. Is is it cancer? I mean, like, I feel like they, like, they really skirt around like exactly like what she has. <laughs> Uh, well, I think the thing is, like yeah. So, so Joyce gets very, <laughs> Joyce gets very ill. There's, a, you know, a large through line of the season is is Buffy and Dawn and the rest of them dealing with Joyce's health. But I think the thing that is so tragic is that she she seemingly like gets past it because she has like they remove. I think there is like a tumor or something, and they yeah. remove it. She's doing fine, and then an episode or two later has like um, an aneurysm or like a blood clot issue or something. And that's, that's what ultimately um, results in her death, which is, I, I mean, I think 
anyone who's seen this series, like what we can talk, we can talk more about the body, but like it is. Yeah. I was going to say, do we, we can also, yeah. yeah. It's, it, but yeah, I'll, I'll just say it's truly one of the most beautiful, nuanced, real looks at what it's like to grieve that I think has mm-hmm. ever been depict, depicted on television. Um, yeah. And it, I think it's, I mean, this is important to note that it's a, a brief in a, in a, in a show that's about magic and demons and hell gods and whatnot, to mm-hmm. have such a moment of, of humanness, mm-hmm. humanity, humanness, mm-hmm. um, in, in Joyce's death and the tragedy of the, knowing that like there is nothing to be done about it. And it's not this mystical whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just that she got sick yeah. and she died. And it's, yeah, I... It's not like a fun experience mm. to watch by any means, mm-hmm. but, it, and yet it is one of the episodes I go back to the most because it is so breathtakingly beautiful mm-hmm. and so haunting and so chilling. And when I say that every single actor on that show is at their best, I mean it. Yeah, absolutely. And Sarah Michelle Geller, I guess we're just going to talk about the body now. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller's performance in that singular episode, we need to... I'll apologize to her Yeah, <laughs> that she did not get every single award. <laughs> yes. Because she is insane mm-hmm. in the membrane during the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, obviously that first scene where she finds Joyce's body, which I cannot imagine anything more tragic. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, like the panic and the denial and the, you know, the, the eerie calmness within this, all of it. Um, I mean, I, I don't think there's a sadder moment in the show than when Giles yeah. comes and that she, that he's mm-hmm. the first person she calls mm-hmm. um, and tries to resuscitate Joyce and Buffy has to say, we're not supposed to touch the body. Yep. Ugh. It's yeah. The, the, the episode is, it, I can't even, I can't even fathom like how they made it so good. It's like, it's broken up into four sort of vignettes. So you have, yeah, that initial scene um, or an initial sequence with Buffy that is like, I believe all one shot, like, or at least a, a large part of it is like one prolonged mm-hmm. shot. Yeah. Like a tracking uh, her throughout the house and yeah, throwing up. Yeah. And then and and then Giles comes in. Um and we have the then we have the the sequence of Dawn finding out. Um so, which is like it and it's all like it's 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 these four different perspectives where it's like, yes, of course, like Buffy is Joyce's child, but you don't get the same like the same view of of what it's like to lose a parent as you do for when you hear like with Dawn, where you're like, Dawn is like mm-hmm. a child. Like this is yeah. Dawn. Now Buffy, Buffy is now Dawn's parental figure. Yeah. Um, um, I'm pretty sure fun fact in that scene, they did, they filmed them in the hallway yep. with Buffy, like literally telling Dawn that Joyce had died. Mm-hmm. But instead what they do so brilliantly is they don't show that instead they show from the inside of the classroom. So you mm-hmm. only hear kind of like muffled sounds, mm-hmm. which then turns into just like wailing. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so heartbreaking. And like, yeah, regardless of your feelings about Dawn and it, it, 
no one tries to negate Dawn's trauma in the sense that like no one tries to be like, well, she wasn't your real mom. No, that's never brought up. And that's which I think was which was good. It's one of the things that they do really well with the Dawn storyline is that like as as soon as Buffy finds out, like, this is not my real sister. This is a mythical energy that's been turned into a person, but she's a person now, and I'm all that she has. Like she mm-hmm. immediately accepts her as family because she knows that that's what Dawn needs. And like, it's really never questions in this yeah. series, which I think is, I, I think is really brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. And then just quickly, the, the other two vignettes are with, Oh yeah. Yeah. The, re- you know, the rest of the Scoobies, I think uh, of course, Alison Hannigan and Emma Caulfield is giving the per- performances oh. of their lives in this episode. Yeah, um, like I- I'm, I'm literally for once in my life at a loss of words where it's like, Everyone is just so good. Everyone's just mm-hmm. so, so, so good. And like, again, as you mentioned, the, every character has a very different reaction to the, this news and to the to this level of grief. Um, you know, with Willow, you know, trying to constantly change her clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's worth noting that this is the episode where we get Tara and Willow kissing for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, Joss really snuck that one in there. Yeah, and it completely intentionally. Yeah, and then Anya's <laughs> speech about how she doesn't understand is a, a pivotal moment for that character, who has solely been seen as comic relief and being kind of dumb and not understanding what it's like to be a human. Mm-hmm. To suddenly be like, she's still like writing character, like doesn't understand. Right. But they real- it, yeah, you can make the arguments like, well, you were a person before, yeah, but okay. I think that, but I think that they realized what they had there where they were like, okay, this is a scenario in which a, a person who was um, a demon who couldn't die for a thousand years has yeah. now been brought back to humanity and is, it, it, it's like that outsider's perspective of like, what do you mean she was here and now she's just never going to be here again? Like that's, mm-hmm. that can't be. Um, yeah. And then like Xander uh, punching a wall and whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, and then it, it ends uh, at the the hospital, the, the morgue, um, mm-hmm. where the, Buffy has a has an important conversation with Tara, where again uh, like, you learn that like Tara is going to be consistently the best support system for people's trauma on this show. Um, you have Giles just sort of being like, "I'm going to take care of this." So mm-hmm. you just like you grieve and you do what you need to do. And then uh, ends in a very interesting way where, you know, Buffy has to save Dawn from a vampire that is like Dawn. in the morgue. Um, and I think like it has the potential to come off as like, why did they even bring this into this episode? And I always think of it as like, it's just another reminder of like the duty that mm-hmm. Buffy has, like, even even when she's going through the worst experience of her life, she's like, I got to get this done. And I think yeah. it's so tragic that she's like, I just easily saved my sister by killing that monster and I couldn't save my mom. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just like the contrast of, like you were saying, the extremely human way that Joyce dies and the fact that Buffy has been able to defeat everything that's come her way the, for the entire series. It's just one of the best episodes of television that will ever be. Made. Yeah. I, uh, just to circle back to the moment with Buffy and Tara, because because Tara is a very, very fascinating character to dissect because she's simultaneously so relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's never a series regular mm-hmm. except for <laughs> one episode, mm-hmm. but I'll scream about that next week. Um, and yet she has these, these moments where she, cause it's normally a, a character that's kind of solely exists as a love interest. Like 99% of her scenes are with Willow. Mm-hmm. Um, she does have like a relationship with Dawn. That's like another kind of like, big sister but like kind of like the cool the cool aunt mm-hmm. um almost but these moments she has with Buffy and she has one here and one in season six I can't remember the exact episode I think it's dead things oh yeah her. where she, where she's like why do I love him it's mm-hmm. dead. yeah it's dead. or like yeah like why did why did I let him do these things to me sorry yeah you're right she doesn't say that she loves him yeah which I'm I've always wondered I'm like I'm like what is he doing to you is that anal like like what are you guys doing <laughs> <laughs> she always, there's always these allusions to like the unspeakable things that that Buffy and Spike do in the boudoir. I'm just like it's probably like, missionary position because I yeah. know Buffy's had sex like two <laughs> other times. <laughs> they, they they did it doggy style once, and Buffy was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> God, we're I'm just like, we're I'm perverted. Straight um, to hell. But yeah, okay. We could. I mean, I could talk the whole episode about the body. Also worth noting, though just to add a layer of brilliance to it is the fact that there is no musical score mm-hmm. and the discomfort that is created because of that is so palpable. Um, Cause you know, music is there to, especially in a show like this is to tell you how to feel like mm-hmm. if you've got a little, like, you know, Benny Hill, like, doop, 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 you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be like, it's like a goofy scene, even if it's like something dramatic is happening. Like, you know, like, Oh, they're all going to be fine. Or if there's like scary music, it's like, Oh, I'm supposed to be scared. But the fact that there's like none, you're not you you're not told how to feel so you're just kind of left with what you're seeing mm-hmm. which is you know whether you've lost a loved one or not there's something so relatable in some aspect of all the characters experience um in the episode and i and it's also you know this is the season in so many ways where buffy grows up yeah. you know we we leave college behind um you know, Buffy becomes the primary caretaker of her sister and has to kind of be the mom. And mm-hmm. it's something that really we see unfold in subsequent seasons. And I think is why season seven works so well with her as like kind of this like leader role because she's because she's taken on this burden from this point moving forward. Yeah. Anywho, anyway, straight up. Like- uh, fantastic up and just to yeah. like I guess just to close out what I guess is us still doing the recap of the season yeah culminates of course in this uh this battle with glory and it takes place over a few episodes where mm-hmm. glory like zaps Tara's brain by like her like energy and uh that is extremely difficult to watch she we get I, back though i cannot tell you so as i mentioned this was the first season i started watching season six and uh, season six and seven i watched like straight through live but season five i started watching like mid-season i don't know what like possessed me to be like like a literally like nine or ten years old and i'm like i'm gonna put this show on uh <laughs> but i re- distinctly remember watching that scene on that park bench yeah. and whatever what was what was happening in that Oh, when they're like at like a world's fair festival that's like again <laughs> extremely problematic <laughs> yeah when the the shot of glory crushing her hand mm-hmm. i was so shook mm-hmm. i went and i was like this is the scariest thing i've ever seen <laughs> yeah oh, also important to note that 
there's an introduction of another kind of pivotal character in the show, which is Ben, who is introduced oh, yeah. kind of... Is, is he pivotal? <laughs> well, to the season, because yes. he's introduced, we think, could be a love interest for Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's basically like Riley. Yeah. But a doctor. Yeah. And we think like, okay, cool, like a new like guy, whatever. And then it turns out that... <gasps> Ben is Glory, and that, you know, Glory is this hell god mm-hmm. who also never really explained somehow is living in a human man. Right. Like she couldn't, she can't take like human form. So she's like splitting a body with this man. <laughs> and then there's also yeah. like the Knights of Byzantium, which I truly can't, <laughs> can't get into. Um, but basically, the season culminates in. Yes. Um, Glory kidnapping Dawn, finally like figuring out Dawn is the key. She's going to use Dawn to open this portal to all these other dimensions and basically unleash hell onto the world. Like it's going to be like the end of the universe, uh, basically. Um, just because like she wants to, because she wants yeah, to go, she-, <laughs> she wants to leave this world. And the only way for her to do that is to like go through this portal. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's the kind of thing where like, it's like you can't open one door without b- opening all the doors. Right. And Glory's like, I don't really give a shit. I want to go home. <laughs> right. And so, and it, the theory is that once the portal is opened, it can't be closed unless, what is it? It's like, it's like blood opens it. Blood has to close it. Some, yeah. It's something like that. So basically. There's a lot more gray area in this season. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's sort of like, okay. Yeah, the, the the mythology is sort of unclear, but like basically it's like, okay, they're like they're gonna have to sacrifice Dawn in order to close the portal, or like Dawn's gonna die anyway because all of her blood is gonna be shed into this portal. Mm-hmm. Like it's unclear, sort of, but basically and everyone tries to fight, you know, the the Scoobies all come together and like Spike is involved in this where they're they're trying to just prevent the portal from being opened at all, of course, but it's, it, it is opened. And this is when Buffy makes the decision to, to make the ultimate sacrifice because she realizes, okay, Dawn has been made from me. My blood runs through her. Like I can close this portal. So basically dives into the center of hell. Everything is okay. She saves the world, saves the universe, whatever. Um, but Buffy is gone. Um, yeah. Another like gut punch of an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the gift is beautiful. The gift is incredible. And had it been a series finale, personally, I don't think I would have been satisfied because it's like it literally ends with like Buffy dying and like all of her loved ones like looking upon her corpse. Yeah. Which is just like maybe not the energy to go out with. Yeah. Um, but as a season finale and as a culmination of this arc of this season, it is so perfect um also worth noting in that episode one of my favorite if not my favorite i don't want to like cold open Mm -hmm. where buffy just like saves this dude in a back alley from a vampire i love i love uh sequences like that in this show and they get in these later seasons become more and more frequent where it's just they're reflecting back on Mm -hmm. legacy of this character yeah and it's very much like you don't see buffy just having to defeat a regular old vampire very often and like she's clearly so skilled at it like she could do mm-hmm. it with her eyes closed but she still has to do it she still has to bring the same like like she you know if she lets her guard down at any moment ever 
she's like yeah. she's in danger and it's it's just like clearly the this entire like community of monsters knows who this is like she is mm-hmm. such a force um well and it, it shows a, also a level of growth from like not in, obviously like in terms of like story writing mm-hmm. but also in terms of just like buffy as a character that in like season one fighting of like well, a singular vampire is really hard for her mm-hmm. and like she struggles and like doesn't really know like how to kind of utilize her own strength and her powers and whatnot and so the, to have like in these later seasons like killing a vamp is like oh that's nothing mm-hmm. that's child's play yeah we talked about this a little bit with in season one but there's definitely a few a few parallels and one of them is with prophecy girl and the gift where mm-hmm. we talked about this where it's like okay in season one the finale of season one Buffy is, you know, there's this prophecy that she's going to have to die in order to save the world. And she's blatantly like, I don't want to die. I'm 16 years old. Like, I just want to live. And not to say that like, oh, it's so great that by the end of season five, she's fine with dying. But it's like she (laughs) she has progressed in this way in her character where there are things that are more important to her. um, Death is your gift. Yeah, the the hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Um, uh, but, also, okay. oh, go ahead. An important moment that doesn't really have like any consequences per se, but is pivotal is when Giles kills Ben. Oh my god! Which it's, is and it's so, hot, honestly. It's it's. <laughs> I'm so happy you said that because I was like, it's obviously it's like an upsetting moment, but it's very erotic because it's basically it's like one-handed strangulation. <laughs> Like suffocation. He's like, he covers his like nose and mouth. Right. Um, but the way that Buffy has quote unquote defeated Glory is she has this giant hammer. This this season is literally like a giant like, hammer that she got like from a, a troll. Like a, like a Stefan skit where it's like this season has troll hammers <laughs> and Knights of Byzantium and keys that are sisters. Like it's insane. <laughs> like we sound like literally deranged. Yeah. Um but so she has this like really strong hammer, also a hot moment when she just like casually picks it up. I know. Oh my God. Um, and she thinks that she's basically like beaten glory to a pulp and he, she turns back into Ben and she's like, all right, like you're skip town. Like I never want to see your ass again. Yeah. And he's like, okay. But then Giles comes over and is like, nah, like glory's Sorry. never going to give up. It's too you, risky. You gotta go. Um, I love that. I love that moment. (laughs) This show is just like such a good, they do so right by their like secondary characters, like no disrespect to Giles, but like by calling it a secondary character, but it's like, you get these moments where like, there's so much underneath and there's, there's so much nuance to all these characters, especially a character like Giles, who has this kind of like sordid past that, um, not that it's, I mean, it's it's addressed here and there. We actually got a, a DM. Um, I'm, I could pull it up right now, but I don't have the energy to. From a listener who was like, "Can you t- like, can you talk a little bit about like Giles and like his like Ripper background?" And I think like this is a moment you see see that darkness in him, and that he knows he's like, "I know what I have to do," mm-hmm. and I need to kill a man with my bare hands. Yeah, oh <laughs> it happens really that. fast though. Like it's yeah. it is it is a quick quick death for yeah senor ben um Um, okay we've already been talking for such a long time but here's what i want to do i want to i want to talk about 
Dawn a little bit. And then yeah. I want to talk about a few more episodes that we love slash hate. You, you, you want to talk about Cousin Beth, right? I, I'm dying to talk about Cousin Beth. Um, okay, so just, we've already been, we've already been alluding to this a lot, uh, but Dawn as a character in this season, sure incredib- incredibly annoying, incredibly yeah. annoying person. Michelle Trachtenberg also playing annoying very well. It's almost as if she is annoying herself. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I can really ever divorce Michelle Trachtenberg from this character, um, mm-hmm. I mean, she is excellent as Georgina Sparks on Gossip Girl. Also an incredibly annoying character. So she might just, like, that yeah. it might be her niche. I think one of the things that, you know, she's very, very divisive in the fandom. I think one mm. of the things that people struggle with is that, you know, there's this whole story about how Sarah Michelle Gellar loved Michelle Trachtenberg. They'd worked together before. Like, she recommended her for this role. And, like... She, oh, that's cute. She's, she, Oh, yeah. So that's like, she's a great actress. Like I, I, I think she's very talented, but I think that the role at least feels like it was written for a younger actress yeah. mm-hmm. or like for the character to just be a little bit younger. Like they sort of have Dawn, like, I guess she's what, 14 in this season, 13. It's 14? so unclear how old Dawn is at any given point. Cause like simultaneously she's like a freshman no because in season in, seven no in season seven she's i don't believe she's a freshman in season six because when okay in uh all the way where uh, she's like hooking yeah. up with that vampire boy she says she's a freshman but so what she's high like school eighth, is she going to so in in season seven yeah great question i think it's just in season seven she's like starting a new year at a new school but she's not a freshman yeah. so Gosh, but okay. i so i think she's around 14 which like Okay, but it, it's it's just that the show, you know, the show starts off with our characters being 16, you know, and like Buffy became mm-hmm. the Slayer when she was 15. So like we've, we're already set up to like look at characters that are that age as more mature. Um, but then they bring in a character who's only a few years younger than where they, maybe she's like, what, five years younger than Buffy? and yeah. And we're supposed to look at her as being a baby. Um, yeah. And I think that a lot of her lines are written that way. She throws like a lot of temper tantrums. Like oh they, God, they sort so of like, many. they don't let her, like they're always protecting her. They don't let her like be a part of the group. They're like, it's, there's a lot of contradictions and, and Don will bring this up sometimes of Buffy being like, no, you have to stay home. You can't go out, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, sometimes that's all she does. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, well, Buffy, like when you were my age, you were like fucking, Killing vampires, whatever. So and I, you were fucking I do, them too. She literally does say that. Um, when she's, she says like, she says, um, you were having sex that's rough. But I, I just remember that line specifically. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So, so that's the, the issue with Dawn, I think, is that she's just a little bit too old. But I think that bringing her into the series was actually brilliant because of the way that you were you were talking about this where it 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 causes buffy to grow up so quickly mm-hmm. to become a parental figure and i think in general the season is really focused on what it means to be a family and to have a chosen family um mm-hmm. and i think that you know in the earlier seasons of the of the show 
they're good friends. Like they're, you know, they all, of course, these people are very close and they spend a lot of time together and they work together. But like by season five, six, seven, they are a family unit. They are like mm-hmm. living in the same house. They're supporting each other. They're like, you know, at a certain point, you know, Buffy and Tara and Willow become the parents of, of Don. Mm-hmm. Like they're all, they're working together to like take care of this child to, to pay the bills. Although are they paying the bills? Like they're like to like maintain this home. Like they are everything to each other. And I think that you really, a lot of that has to do with them introducing this younger character that needs yeah. more care. And then also taking Joyce out of the equation where there's like, mm-hmm. okay, there isn't an actual parent here anymore. So now we're all the parents, we're all each other's family. And in some ways they become a little bit of a better support system for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that we see Dawn and we'll talk about this more in the subsequent episodes. We see Dawn in like three different phases really mm-hmm. in the, in the three seasons that she's on the show, mm-hmm. which is, Season five, annoying, but very central to the plot. Yep. Season six, just annoying. Yep. Like she is like there, like at the very least, like in season five, you're like, oh, like she's has these powers and blah, 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 blah. Like we have to protect her to save the world. Season six, it's like suddenly it's like her powers are gone. Yeah. She's just a human brat. Mm-hmm. And then by season seven, like immediately they're like, all right, she's not annoying anymore. Yeah. Like, season like, seven, we're going to have her she's... just like be like, more of like one of the gang. Yeah. She's a more fully fleshed out character by season seven. Um, But yeah. Okay. So let's talk, let's talk some, some faves and some not so faves Mm -hmm. from the season. We've obviously already covered a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But what are some other episodes that you love? I really love the, just like the, the last like sequence of episodes. I think it's like tough love spiral way of the world through the gift. Just like, I, I, I love a good episode of the week. Like there's some like really like funny ones, like triangles, really fun. Checkpoint is fun, but I love a good like serialized storyline. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the expression. I always forget. I mix them up as well. Okay. Uh, just like the stakes are really high and they're like on the run in a Winnebago. And like, it's just like, it's just like a fun, like change of scenery. And mm-hmm. uh, those are some of my faves. Mm-hmm. Forever is not like a fun episode, but I think it's like a very important one um, as a Bangel stand. Right. The I, one I that do comes a, right after the body. Yeah. I, I think it's a nice crossover moment to have him come back. And I think if they hadn't, and this was back when they still could do crossovers because in season six, they could not, which is why we have that really random moment where Buffy comes back to life and has to like meet Angel like halfway or something. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> Uh, but it's just, it's a nice, like, it's like a non-romantic interaction with the two of them where he just like comes and like holds her near the grave. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I, the, the you kind of the, I'm happy they address like the, the resurrection concept because obviously we see the, the writers definitely got like, they're like, oh shit. We're like, <laughs> they, they basically say it becomes a rule of the show that if it is a mystical death, it can be reversed. Right. But if it's a human, a mortal death, it cannot, a la Joyce. But in that episode forever, Dawn tries to bring um, Joyce back. Mm-hmm. And just, it's, it's a, it's a good, it's a, an important app, I think for, for Dawn in the, in her relationship with 
mm-hmm. Buffy that they do have this kind of blowout moment, you know, cleaning up mom's mess and yeah, that's a good and one. Also heart heartbreaking with Sarah Michelle Gellar like running to the door. Of course, um, I have some other I have some other faves. I I I love Checkpoint. So we we talked, I I love checkpoint so much. We talked about this in season three, a little bit where it's like, we don't get that many episodes that directly address the watchers council. And I think this, this one is really like the, the pinnacle of that. Um, This is where they cut the, the watchers council comes to Sunnydale to like review Buffy and her skills. And it's simultaneously hilarious. And also like, so empowering because you get the comedy of like the, all of these different watchers like interviewing the Scooby gang and them having to sort of like explain their role. Like they're like, so I don't, so sorry. So you guys just all work together on this, which is like, of course, one of the, the tenets of the show tenants of the show is that like the reason Buffy's been able to survive so long is because she has such all of these people who are supporting her and helping her. Um, you have this hilarious scene of one of the watchers who's like written her thesis on Spike, like having to interview Spike and like clearly like uh, having, you know, sweating it out, which I, I understand. Um, but culminating in this very iconic speech from Buffy of like power. I have it. They don't like, this is, of of her being like sorry you guys i fucking have the power like i don't mm-hmm. i don't listen i don't report to you anymore yeah you work for me <laughs> right which is incredible i love that episode so much yeah. sorry i mean do you want to talk about fool for love obviously i want to talk about fool for love yeah okay. i was like why why haven't you brought it up yet <laughs> so fool for love is arguably my favorite episode of the series like i think i love like once more with feeling is sort of like its own Thing, but like removing that like fool for love is my favorite thing that's ever happened mm-hmm. um and this is this is the episode where you you learn about spike's backstory this is where buffy is sort of like doubting her own strength and has this realization that like i actually have someone in my life who's defeated two slayers before and like approaches spike to be like what were their weaknesses like how how can i improve my own strength to, to defeat people like you. And of course, Spike is like a little shit about it and won't just give her a straight answer. And you, you get, you finally get, he fills in these blanks of, of what his, not only how he defeated these, these two other slayers, but you also get this glimpse of him as a human um, Mm -hmm. and find out that William the bloody is not, he, you know, he, he's like, you know, baby, I've always been bad, but in reality, <laughs> he was this like bumbling fool poet who was in love with a woman who was not in love with him. Someone who was made fun of and like just sort of a nerdy little boy in his real life. And it was when he was turned into a vampire that he became like the spike that we know today. And I just think it, it does so much to fill out this character. And it, it always goes back to, we we don't need to get into another spike and angel debate right now. And I want to talk about spike a lot more in season six, but this, I always just go back to that. I feel like he's a lot more, he's a much more nuanced character. And I think mm-hmm. that by learning, you know, he was, he was a person who was so unlucky in love in his real life, but also still loved so passionately. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is what we've talked about where it's like, who you were as a person 
infiltrates into who you are as a vampire to a small degree. And I think you really see that like you, his capacity to love Buffy to like, to like truly love Buffy while he was, while he's still a vampire and doesn't have a soul is not something that angel is capable of. Um, And this, you know, just a really powerful, it, it finishes off with, you know, Spike a little bit showing his cards in terms of his feelings for Buffy and the, you know, you know, you want to dance um, and her really like rejecting him in sort of the mm-hmm. same way that he was rejected um, in his human life and just the, you know, you're beneath me and him deciding, okay, I'm going to go and kill Buffy. But instead, when he shows up at her house, she's out on the back porch crying about her mother's illness and Spike like melts into his most human self and comforts her. Um, and I think it's just like, uh, it, it really gets me. <laughs> so no, to- no, totally. It's, it's, it's a great app um, worth pointing out that like why in that moment, which is a great moment. Buffy's isn't like, so Spike, why are you carrying a shotgun? I know I, it's a great question. Well, because he thinks that he thinks he'll be able to kill her with a gun because of the chip. He can't like really hurt well, her, but he's like, I can deal with the pain for long enough to kill mm-hmm. her, which like, of course he was never going to actually do that, yeah, but it is sort of an absurd moment. Yeah. Um, also worth noting that when, when you were first asking me about Fool for Love, and this was before I did my most recent rewatch and you were like, this is my favorite app. I was getting it confused with a later episode, not a bad one, Crush. Oh no. And, which is when Drusilla, Drusilla comes back and, mm-hmm. um, he basically says to, you know, he ties up her and Buffy and he's like, I'm going to kill Drusilla. That's going to show you how much I love you. So when you were like, that's my favorite episode of all time. I was like, I mean, sure, I guess. <laughs> and then when I no. finally rewatched it and saw I was full for love, I was like, oh, okay, okay. I got it. No. Yeah. Crush is fun, but it's like very unhinged and it, and it feeds into a lot of like the more problematic aspects of Spike, obviously. Um, and I'll just, I'll, I'll quickly also mention Intervention is one of my other favorites, which is, towards the end of the season um, Mm -hmm. where glory has kidnapped spike because she believes that he is the key. Um, And this is when the the Buffy bot is introduced. One of, one of the worst device, really bad devices that is introduced in the show ends up being kind of fun and kind of an important player. But at this time is introduced as like spikes sex bot because he can't have the real Buffy, but like somehow they turn it around in this episode where it's like, wow, spike is a, piece of fucking shit and by the end of the episode you're like he's my hero and 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 it's like you have this moment where glory has kidnapped spike he refuses to give up the information that dawn is really the key he's being like really badly tortured and beaten by glory and at the end buffy like pretends to be the buffy bot so that she can get information out of him and learn Mm -hmm. like why did you do this and he's like i you know i could never hurt buffy i couldn't if, if dawn ever if, if, you know, I, I could never hurt Dawn because that would hurt Buffy. And that's the first time that they actually uh, kiss, even though yeah. he's pretending to be the Buffy bot, but he figures it out. So yeah, it's a little, it's a it's a little like, moment. yeah, it's a little peck, but it's oh. a special moment. <laughs> um, um, no, that's a, that's a really good app. Um, should we talk about some duds? Yes. So the one there's that I, not that many, the, the episode I, I truly hate is listening to fear. That so is the correct answer. That is this a t- is the episode the- where Joyce is sick. She's in the hospital. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And for some reason, an alien demon climbs out of like a meteor that's hit the earth 
and just slithers around on the ceiling. It's it's one of those. It's another one where it's like it's not only fucking gross. It's it's dark. It's it it's in that I put it in the same camp as Kills by Death, where you're just like I don't want to watch this episode. It makes me yeah. feel bad. Um, to read the dis- the d- brief description of the episode on IMDb because <laughs> it's it's a good one. As Joyce's sickness makes her begin doing odd things, a demon emerges from a meteorite and begins killing the mentally ill. I mean, what a great premise <laughs> for an episode. <laughs> yeah, they. You know, kudos to the writing staff of the show for, you know, pulling out 22 episodes every season. Yep. Um, and some seasons are, and I think overall, this is probably one of the stronger, obviously this is one of our favorite season, but it's like strongest, like back to front where there aren't as many duds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we talked about last episode, you know, season four has some like really high highs and some really low lows. Like, like listening to fear isn't like bad enough that you're gonna be like, ugh, mm-hmm. like forever. But mm-hmm. that is one that I just really don't like. And yeah. the other one that really has aged quite poorly, despite the fact that it's like, I guess important, like it introduces a character that is going to become important is I was made to love you. I was just going to say the same thing. This is a very bad episode. Again, this is what I was just talking about where we, we first are introduced to the idea of, of the Buffy bot um, well, this is this is where we meet Warren, right? Mm-hmm. Warren, who is the worst thing that's ever happened. Um, <laughs> he is like this piece of shit who has who created a, a sex robot, an incredibly realistic sex robot, who the the Scooby Gang comes in in contact with, and um, it, it's just and, and it's where Spike realizes that he can like make Warren do the same thing for Buffy. Um, it, I guess it's, it's consequential because I always forget that the last scene of I was made to love you is Buffy finding Joyce's body. Um, mm-hmm. So, but the contrast of like how flippant, like it's just a very silly episode to then lead into the body, which I guess is something that this show does sort of frequently, like putting go fish right up against becoming. Um, yeah. But yeah, I personally, I don't, I, I really don't like that episode. Yeah, not a fan. Yeah, and then there's a lot of other ones that are, again, like, nothing really special, like Buffy versus Dracula or, like, you know, if some it, of these... If it weren't are, the season premiere, I think it would be, like, just totally lame. Yeah, like, a couple of these in here that are just sort of filler episodes, like Shadow is the one with the mm-hmm. snake monster. Like, But there's not nothing is super, like, egregiously bad. Um, and then, of course, you get... A, a brief glimpse at Amy Adams in the episode mm-hmm. family who as Tara's cousin. cousin. Um, yeah. You know, all, all in all a pretty solid season. Yeah. We also get like the Xander centric episode in the replacement, which is basically doppelgangerland reheated and not as good. Um, mm-hmm. I do understand that they wanted to capitalize on the fact that Nicholas Brendan had a twin, Right. And what they could do with that. Um, but. Of course. Yeah. And you get episodes like Real Me and Into the Woods that are kind of just like there. Mm-hmm. I guess like Into the Woods is like the one where Riley leaves, but like I couldn't tell you what what happens in that episode besides that. Mm-hmm. All right. We've been talking for a very long time. So let's, let's, let's start to wrap up here. I've got a few high stakes questions, but again, oh, yeah. like we keep, 
talking about a lot of the things that I'm bringing up in here anyway. So um, yeah, the first question I wrote here was given the choice, would you get rid of Dawn as a character completely or keep her role exactly as is? I would keep it as is. Yeah, you got to keep her, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, she's annoying, but she's very necessary to the plot. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, as you mentioned, I don't think that anyone could have done a better job than Michelle Trachtenberg. Like, it's not like, I think sometimes annoying characters get, you know, associated with their with the actors. Mm-hmm. And then you, it's like, whatever, but yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> This is kind of hard. The season length has just been cut in half. So you get mm. to keep 11 episodes out of 22. Mm. Which 11 do you keep? I would keep... Like, I would say like, like the second half of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I would keep. The, I would keep the second half of the season, but I would replace I Was Made to Love You mm-hmm. with Fool for Love. Fool for Love, yeah. And then you've sort of got like a perfect season <laughs> of television yeah i mean i would maybe like you could i like triangle so maybe i would swap out like crush for triangle i just think that's a fun up i don't like i also don't love the weight of the world it's one of those that like sort of stops the momentum right when when buffy is randomly catatonic for an up um yeah no that's fair i know i'm earlier i was like i like that sequence of episodes and it's yeah, it's mm-hmm. not the, the best. Mm-hmm. And then choose one relatively minor character to make a series regular. I don't know so what like I not even Tara. This. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, just make Tara a series regular. <laughs> and that's um, answer. Um, oh, my, my answer for this, we haven't even met yet, but it's Clem. Do we meet <laughs> Clem in this season? Maybe the very end of the season. When does Buffy get drunk and they go to like Spike is gambling? It's in that's in Life Serial. Okay, so, so that's the beginning of season six. I guess my answer would be, <laughs> I mean, Glory's not even a serious regular. Um, <laughs> True. Like maybe like Drusilla. I don't know. They could have like had her be around more. Oh yeah, that's a good one. All right. Wow. Really, I mean, impossible questions. <laughs> um, okay. To finish off that aspect of the season, it's literally Buffy. It's l- like literally Buffy. It's literally. Like there is no other choice in this season specifically. She is the my lifeblood. She is giving yeah. me everything. Yeah. She's, she is the moment. And again, <laughs> like, and again, like it's, and it's, it, it's not even just storyline, but yep. it's really Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance is. Yeah. Just what if we give our badass bitch stellar. to Sarah Michelle Gellar this season? Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. She's this like she's finally getting the awards recognition that she mm-hmm. deserves. Yeah. Someone can, alert the presses. Yeah. She's been given <laughs> badass bitch of season five by resting witch face. <laughs> uh, yeah. Your, your, oh, your trophy is in the mail. <laughs> Yeah, you shall be seeing it in three to five business years. <laughs> um, no, she is. She's incredible. She's everything. Um, I, like you said, it could have been. This could have been the end. I'm really glad it wasn't. Um, yeah. And the show, it, it you know, not without its bumps, but the show mm. is able to come back from this. Like they kill off their main character. 
And they believably come back from that um, to to give us two more very good seasons of television. And I think that that is really hard to do. Um, clearly, Buffy does not remain dead. But... Um, yeah, they they just kept going and called the show Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> I have... I know people who were, like, fully convinced that Buffy was just dead and would not be returning to the show. I was like, have you ever seen television before? Like, there... What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be one thing if, like, this was breaking bad and Buffy got like right. shot in the face. It's like, well, this is a show about like mystical shit. Like right. of course they're going to bring her back from the dead. What are they're you able to bring her back. Um, okay. I mean, I mean, there's, uh, of course there's more that we could say about season five. This is okay. Like we keep saying, we're going to have an eighth episode at the end of this yes. where we just recap more about each season. So if there is, is more that you specifically want to talk about, about season five, let us know. Send us a DM at RWF podcast or send us an email at RWF podcast at gmail.com. I'm also going to make a point to put up some like, um, like some questions tabs on our Instagram stories as we get closer to recording that last episode but like hot takes, questions, opinions, like we want it all. We want to keep yeah. talking about this show in this season specifically. So um, yeah, looking forward to that. But thank you guys so much for listening as always. Yeah. Like Until next week. I love guess. this. Yeah. yeah, well, next week we'll get to talk about a real different sort of beast, which is season uh-huh. six, which I think might be the season that you and I are going to disagree on the most. I, I, that could be there's a lot to there's a lot to say and i'm really excited for it yeah me too <laughs> all right bye, bye bitches, bitches.